Are you a fan of pizza but don't like all the carbohydrates that come in the crust? Well, let me introduce you to Real Good Pizzas. They have four grams of carbohydrates. The crust is made from all-natural chicken breast and Parmesan cheese. They also recently launched a brand new item, breakfast pizzas, which also only have four grams of carbohydrates with bacon and sausage available. Real Good Pizza is now available in 2000 Kroger Family Grocery Stores nationwide, and they're currently offering free shipping as well as 10% off when you use the coupon code JIMMY at checkout at realgoodfoods.com. Real Good Pizza. We all know how important fat is on a ketogenic diet. So it's time to meet the keto gang at pureindianfoods.com. Pure Indian Foods has 12 delicious fats and oils for your healthy, low-carb, high-fat, ketogenic lifestyle. So what is grass-fed ghee, you ask? I'm glad you asked. It's also known as clarified butter and is a fabulous source of fat-soluble vitamins like vitamins A, D, and K2. It's an excellent omega-3 to omega-6 ratio of less than 2. It is extremely low in polyunsaturated fats and as such is a perfect cooking fat. It literally, you guys, smells just like buttered popcorn. Pure Indian Foods is a fifth generation family-owned ghee business and now they have 12 different varieties and flavors for your healthy ketogenic lifestyle. So meet the whole keto gang at pureindianfoods.com and be sure to use the coupon code JIMMY at checkout and you'll get 10% off your first order. Pure Indian Foods. Coming up in episode 1326, an LLVLC classic with Dr. Brad Hoopingarn. Connecting and educating and making the world a more informed and healthier place. You're listening to the Live in La Vida Low Carb Show with Jimmy Moore. You've helped change so many lives and give us all the courage to take on the rest of the world. This is the longest running health podcast on the air today. You've done so much to spread the word about how diet matters. Over 1,000 episodes strong and counting. The amount of lives that you've changed at this point is incalculable. And now, here's our host and international best-selling author. You're like the LL Cool J of podcasting. Jimmy Moore. Hey, hey, guys, and happy Wednesday to you here at the Live and La Vida Low Carb Show. And yet again, we have another LLVLC show classic episode to share with you. And a lot of people often ask me, hey, can my kids eat a low-carb diet? And my response is usually, well, it's real food, right? Yeah. Why couldn't they eat a low-carb diet? So I actually got an expert on the show who talks about why he puts his patients who are children on a low-carb diet. His name, Dr. Brad Hoopingarner. And I think you're really going to enjoy what he has to share. If you have kids or have kids in your life, I think you're going to love his reasons why a low-carb approach may be a good one to use with your kids. So listen to this LLVLC show classic episode with Dr. Brad Hoopingarner. Today, I am so pleased to welcome to the podcast a medical doctor by the name of Dr. Brad Hoopingarner. He is a private practice general pediatrician currently at the Lansing Pediatric Associates in Lansing, Michigan. He studied human physiology as an undergrad at 
Michigan State, where he also received his medical degree from the MSU College of Human Medicine. Board certified in pediatric medicine for the past 11 years after completing residency. He's been eating and receiving the benefits from a low-carb lifestyle for the past five years and has been teaching this lifestyle to his patients now for almost four years. He's married with four children, all of whom benefit from a low-carb lifestyle. He's got a great blog called LowCarbPediatrician.com. Dr. Brad, welcome to the show. Thank you, Jimmy. Uh, Again, thanks for having me here. My wife, Peggy, and I are both big fans of you and your show and your blog. Thank thank you. you. Thank you, sir. And and I love it. On your blog, uh, you actually go by Dr. Hoop. Is is that like a childhood uh, uh, nickname that you had? Where'd the Dr. Hoop come from? Yes, uh, from very early in life. (laughs) uh, People did not want to say or pronounce Hoop and Garner. As you can imagine, it's been pronounced a hundred different ways. So Hoop uh, was a natural truncation. And my predecessors, his name was Dr. Knickerbocker. (laughs) He was my pediatrician. Growing up, and everybody called him Dr. Nick. Oh, that's funny. uh, uh, He was actually the guy that came up with the stickers, and and the sticker that you see on the the blog was his idea. Y'all should start a basketball team or something between Knickerbocker and Hoop. I mean, you've got, you know, you you just need like a a person with ball in the last name and... (laughs) That's right. That's right. Jump and yeah, rebound. Oh, we're not going there. But uh, why don't you kind of tell us a little bit about your journey? Because you've been a pediatrician now for many years. Why don't we back up to those days when you were deciding what you wanted to do when you grew up and uh, why you decided pediatrics was the way to go? Well, um, entering medical school, you have some vague notion of what you're going to be, whether you're going to be a surgeon uh, whether you're going to work in the hospital or in an office type setting. And I always kind of saw myself as a, a, either a family physician or, or a pediatrician, somehow working with kids. Uh, then you have a chance to go ahead and, and, and work with the attendings and, and see what they do. And yeah. after I finished my pediatric rotation, I just knew in my heart that that was it. And, and that's what I wanted to do. How awesome. And, and, you know, I think pediatrics is underestimated as a part of the medical profession. I don't think very many people realize just how critical people like you are to overall health, because it really does start when people are children um, and very young children. Uh, We're not even talking about eight and nine year olds, even when they're three and four can play such a long term effect on who they become as adults, right? Uh, that's correct. Yep. Uh, we start, obviously, uh, in the nursery right after birth and follow these kids all the way through, sometimes through college. Uh, prevention is the backbone of pediatrics. We talk about things like safety, uh, certainly vaccinations, and how to set people up for uh, lifelong uh, health. And certainly food and nutrition plays nicely into that. Sure. And speaking of that, I I mentioned in your bio that five years ago was when you found and discovered the whole LCHF, low-carb, high-fat world, and was looking for something for your own personal journey. Why don't you tell us about uh, where you were a type 2 diabetic and you thought you had to eat a certain way and you found that wasn't very effective. (laughs) Tell us how you found your low-carb lifestyle. Certainly. Um, Well, first of all, 
I, I was always a skinny kid growing up, um, rail thin, always very active, playing various sports, that sort of thing. And, and a lot of us, uh, once we reach adulthood, <laughs> that certainly changes. Um, and, and after my residency, you know, there's a saying in residency, if you can't sleep, eat. <laughs> and, I, and, I, and I sure sure did plenty of that. And after residency, I uh, started gaining a little bit of weight. My, my cholesterol went up and I was, I was put on cholesterol-lowering medication. Statin. A statin, yeah. And, and then within probably two or three years after that, uh, my blood pressure went up and I started a blood pressure medication. And then in my mid-30s, all of a sudden, my, my fasting blood sugar started to creep up. And, uh, you know, for all intents and purposes, I, I am a type 2 diabetic. I'm, I'm in mission, so to speak, um, my fasting blood sugar, I got up to 123. Wow. Um, and, and my doctor uh, and I were talking about starting a, an oral diabetic medication. Mm. And I remember, you know, he, he, he asked me probably two or three times, does this run in your family? And, yeah. and the, answer, there's, the answer there is no. Uh, nobody in my family has it. Um, Was it metformin he wanted to put you on? Exactly. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Glucophage. Yep. Yep. And uh, and I remember you know telling him I want to I want to try one more thing and I'm fortunate uh, my wife's uncle he's a retired uh, minister he lives down in Richmond Virginia yeah and he he's a type two diabetic and uh, he has treated himself successfully and went to see um, a physician who runs a, an institute down there it's called the Zacharias Ganey Institute in Richmond Virginia and so in the summer of 2008. I packed up the van, packed up the kids, and we drove down there. My wife was fortunately able to spend the time with family. And I spent time with uh, Dr. Madge, who she is actually a retired pediatrician who has uh, set up a what I think is a phenomenal institute down there and uh, treats uh, metabolic syndrome type 2 diabetics like myself. Uh, I had a chance to meet uh, with her and run through a series of lectures and, and, and yeah, I'm a guy, I went down there thinking, okay, I know what to do, but I really didn't yeah. uh, until after, after I had a chance to meet, meet and talk with her and talk to other people who were much sicker than myself, uh, who were able to come off of these medicines, um, you know, because I tried the low fat diet, you know, that's what I thought I was supposed to do. And that's what I was telling my overweight patients as well up until this point. And, and it obviously wasn't working. So it sounds like it not only revolutionized your own health progress, but also now your patients, because now they're getting to benefit from this newfound, not just knowledge, but personal experience that you've seen. And, and, and I said in your bio that your kids are now also seeing your own personal kids are seeing uh, the benefits that come from a low carb lifestyle. Yes. And, and this took some time. You know, I came back from that trip. And within a few months, uh, I'd lost the weight that I'd wanted to lose, and my labs improved, you know, and I, I was able to get my blood sugar down. And then, I, I, you know, I decided I needed to pass this information on to my patients that I thought, you know, we had to go through this journey together. Yeah. So, uh, initially, I just typed up a one-page summary 
uh, food choices uh, and began handing this out at the checkup. We try to see each child once a year for a, a physical. And, and the food choices list was similar to the one that I have on my blog. And I'd put down a couple of books and a couple of websites. And uh, people were very receptive to this. And as I slowly overcame the inertia of talking about food and talking about weight issues, uh, the ball ball started to roll. Soon after that, I started to plug some of my, my uh, more at-risk patients into one-hour time slot appointments to talk about nutrition. And I would say that probably 80 to 90% of the patients that I recommended this to followed through with it. Yeah. And so... Uh, you know, I get into these and it's fun for me. It's exciting. I play the role of physician. You know, I'm a cheerleader at times. I'm a coach. And then there are times where I share my experiences and I spend uh, a lot of time dispelling the notion that meals need a large part of, car- of carbohydrate, which is a common misconception, as I'm sure you know. Yeah. I focus a lot of energy and time on eliminating the fear of, of normal saturated dietary fat. Yeah, uh, that's that's probably the the hardest challenge for me. Oh, it, it's uh, yeah, it's hard for adults to wrap their head around that one. Much less trying to get kids to eat real butter and not be fearful of it. Although I'll tell you what, the you know I'll, I'll try to get um, obviously uh, at least at least one or both parents in there. I've never done one without at least one parent there. Right. And the, and the kids, if they're middle schoolers or, or, or high school kids, those kids are very receptive. Wow. And they are sitting there at rapt attention, eyes wide open, smiling from ear to ear. And they are very enthusiastic. Um, and, and those are the kids that, that often will just do this on their own without the help of the parents. Yeah. Because, you know, at that point, at that age, they're they're – they're certainly uh, in tune with their bodies and what they want and what they don't want. Do you think that's because of the internet age that they feel like uh, they can go and learn things on their own by Googling it and then they come across you know, shows like this one and sites that are out there that say, you know, all that nonsense about saturated fat being unhealthy, yada, yada, you know, it's not true. And, and so do you think that's kind of what's leading that revolution amongst the younger generation? Oh, I certainly believe so. Um, you know, I, you, you have different groups of people coming into this. You know, there are people who have already heard about low carb and may still have some questions about it or they want to hear about it from, you know, a, a health professional such as myself. There are people who have no idea uh, about what low carb, high fat is, yeah. and then there's everything, and then there's everything in between because because yes, they do get hit with quite an array of, of information on food that's out there, but I think people are much more open to it than I thought previously. Certainly, before I started doing this, yeah, certainly um, the internet has opened a lot of doors to this information getting out there, and I, I do think the internet is leading the charge in getting this alternative information in the hands of the people who need it the most. I mean, you you talk about the childhood obesity pandemic we're going through. A lot of this is going to be turned around if people would just embrace what we know, you and I know, to be true regarding nutrition. Unfortunately, it's just not being taught in medical schools. And I wanted to ask you about that Um How much nutritional information did you get going through medical school? Uh, Very little, very little. And that's that's across the board 
at yeah. most medical schools, you yeah. know, for whatever reason. I hope that's going to change. Yeah. Um, you know, you, you, you do have to learn a lot, obviously, in medical school. Um, they have to pack a lot of information in in a short period of time. And so, no, I didn't get a lot. And, and, and you know, I end up uh, uh, having to go back. And, and, you know, as I got into this, uh, I really dug in my heels and read everything that I could manage to read on, on diet, nutrition, and low carb. And this is six or seven years after I finished my residency. Yeah. And so I do hope that, that, that as we move forward, this is talking about the child childhood obesity pandemic, this is not a problem that's going to go away on its own. Right. Uh, we do have answers in terms of the science, and, and that information has to be, uh, I believe, given to, to physicians and, and taught not just to, to, uh, to patients but to healthcare professionals. You know, we're all in this together. It's, it's not a problem that affects just the, the patient. This is a problem that will reach everybody. Absolutely. You know, whether, whether, you know, in terms of, of, of bearing the cost of, of treating these people down the road, uh, certainly it's going to affect the, the workforce. But yet I, I am optimistic based on the results I'm seeing in my own practice. You know, as these kids come back in and I look at the growth charts, you know, and, and I'm, I'm just following the advice of Dr. Mary Vaughn, who said just one patient yeah. at a time. And that's that's my approach. here. Yep. Now, I'm curious because you are putting yourself out there as the low-carb pediatrician. That's uh, the name of your blog, and we'll talk about the blog here in a second. But I'm, I'm just curious because um, I get a lot of people that email me. I don't have any kids. Uh, Christine and I can't have kids. But if we did, they would definitely be eating low-carb. Uh, and I'm wondering how you answer those people who say a child doesn't need to be on a low-carb diet. Well, it, it cer- certainly depends on the child, first of all. Right. Uh, um, do I believe that every child needs to be on a low-carb diet or can be or, or should be? Realistically, no. Right. However, um, you know, I use this term carbohydrate sensitivity. Yep. You know, when I, when I talk to these parents um, – and let me back up just one second. You know, when it comes to bringing this issue up, sometimes the parents do it and sometimes I have to do it. Uh, perception is everything. And, and, you know, it's easier for me to do that now with the BMI chart. I can, I can turn my computer screen around and show it to them and say, look, here's a standard BMI chart. Here is where your child is tracking. You know, is this something that's concerning to you? And and I think we have to put aside the notion that parents and kids are not willing to put forth the effort once they're given accurate nutritional information. Right. I no longer believe that because of the results I'm seeing. I believe that most people are truly concerned, but they're confused about the, the vast array of, of information that's out there on food. Are you ready to take your ketogenic lifestyle to the next level? Go to EnergizeMyHealth.com where you will learn all about the Beamer therapy for your health. Now, I feel so fortunate to have discovered this life-changing technology and I feel compelled to share it with all my fellow ketonians and fasters out there. This technology could very well change the face of modern medicine as we know it. So what is Beamer therapy? Beamer therapy consists of exposing the body to low-level pulse 
pulsed electromagnetic fields. Think of these magnetic fields as sound waves that permeate through every cell in the body. These magnetic signals are delivered by way of a full body mat and several focused applicators. While there are several systems on the market currently, each one touting the benefits of their unique waveforms and frequencies, the most important thing to consider when choosing among them is proof of efficacy. And not only does Beamer hold five worldwide patents on their proven technology, but the Beamer has also been shown in a blind study to be far superior to the rest of the competition. Beamer enhances blood flow, oxygen supply, cardiac function, physical fitness, strength, and stamina, concentration, mental acuity, stress reduction, relaxation, sleep management, and so much more. Again, go to energizemyhealth.com to get all the full details about Beamer and get your Beamer today. Do you want to test for breath ketones and need a breath ketone analyzer to do that? Then let me introduce you to the first reusable breath ketone analyzer. It's called Ketonics, K-E-T-O-N-I-X. Ketonics.com is their website, and you've heard me talking about them here for years, and now they have a brand new technology that I think you're going to like. It's the Ketonics Bluetooth with battery. This is the latest version of Ketonics that's coming out here in 2017. It connects with the latest iOS and Android software and it's available for mobile devices like smartphones and tablet. It is a reusable instrument that can be used thousands of times and you can record your breath ketones locally on your mobile device, smartphone, tablet, or online account at ketonics.com. You can anonymously contribute your data to studies of ketogenic diets. So again, it's the brand new Ketonics Bluetooth tooth, head on over to ketonics.com and get the latest and greatest version of Ketonics. Hi, I'm Christine Moore, Jimmy Moore's wife, and I'm here today to tell you about the Nutritional Therapy Association and why I decided to go through their Nutritional Therapy Practitioner Program. I figured, well, this will be a great opportunity for me to maybe possibly be able to help people with their nutritional issues and anything that they might be going through. Just the thought of me having to learn stuff again, it was intimidating. I didn't think that I would be able to do it. didn't think that I would be able to retain the stuff that I was learning and I would have a hard time on the quizzes and the tests. The NTA is looking for more keto practitioners. They believe in real food. They do not frown upon good, healthy fats. They believe that they should be a healthy part of the diet. The most gratifying part of the program has been getting to meet a bunch of like-minded people who are interested in nutrition. A lot of us came into this program with health issues of our own that we wanted to try to fix. The material that we're learning is just absolutely incredible. I thought I knew a lot about nutrition, but going through this program, there's so much more to it than what I actually knew. We learn about anatomy and physiology, so we learn about how things work in the body, how vitamins and minerals affect the body. So it's just been a great program anyone should do this program. It's a nine-month program that can pretty much fit into anybody's schedule. I mean, we have people that have children, full-time jobs going through this, so it's very flexible with your schedule. If you're thinking about it and not sure, I would highly recommend you go through it. Join the Nutritional Therapy Association today at nutritionaltherapy.com. Beyond a, a 
the weight, I, I think weight is what is the biggest sign that most people look at. And we talk about childhood obesity, but there's metabolic disturbances that may not manifest themselves in the form of weight gain. Can you talk about some of those things that you see benefits from the low carb lifestyle helping uh, that don't have anything to do with weight? Certainly. Yep. Um, so, the, so yeah, in addition to the, to the BMI chart, um, you can look at lab values. Uh, we're seeing kids, um, uh, six, seven, eight, nine years of age with triglycerides in the 150 to 200 range. Wow. Certainly abnormal. Uh, we're seeing A1C levels above 5.7, approaching 6, 6.0, hmm. uh, and seven, eight-year-old kids. HDL levels that are in the high 20s, um, elevated fasting insulin levels. You know, so there, there's definitely a lot of laboratory data that I can use to show the parents. There are non-metabolic and not non-weight issues that can come up. Chronic abdominal pain uh, is a big one. I started to use the dietary approach for my chronic abdominal pain patients with better results. For instance, taking kids off of the refined wheat, I can have a child who's had pain for two or three years and I've done everything else and they've seen the GI doctor and then I'll take them off of the wheat and, and it's gone. Yeah. And then I have kids who are uh, having behavioral issues and and sometimes uh, that's uh, something that can be treated and sometimes it's not. Yeah. Uh, but I've had parents who've, who've taken them off of the refined carbohydrates the refined wheat or sugar and the refined corn, and they'll come back to me and say, you know what, it's, it's a night and day difference uh, in terms of attention and focus, hyperactivity yep. and impulsivity. You know who um, you, you would think would be the biggest proponents of low carb would be teachers. <laughs> yes, that's right. That's right. Have yep. attentive students, and uh, they would be paying attention. They would have clear minds, and oh my gosh, you would th- and and no behavioral problems. In fact, there was a school, Brad. I don't know if you heard about this. There's a school in Georgia somewhere. I forget exactly where, but they went sugar free over a decade ago. They're like the only sugar free school in America, and it was just shortly after. They uh, they shifted to there's no sugar allowed in the schools that test scores went up, uh, incidences of of malfeasance went down. It, it just was a total turnaround, and all they did was take the sugar out. Oh, I believe it. I believe it. And, and I saw that uh, not just with my patients, but with my own kids. Um, yeah. My wife came on board about a year and a half ago. Actually, it was after that. Uh, 2012 low carb cruise that yep. we attended and she came back and to her credit helped me get everything out of the house that needed to be gotten rid of and, and we noticed a big difference with with the behavior of our kids isn't it amazing uh, going back, yep going back to the school issue I'm, yeah. you know that that school that you mentioned is is certainly inspiring but it's not the norm uh, i do spend a lot of time talking about school lunches with patients, you know, unfortunately, most schools do not provide a low carb uh, lunch. And so I do encourage all of my patients to take their lunch in. Um, you know, you can you can get the compartmentalized lunch boxes, the good bins and the bento lunch boxes, which don't you don't have to make a sandwich. 
Yep. Uh, because of the starchy bread and there's lots of options. And, um, so that's something I, I wanted to make sure we talked about as well. Absolutely. Um, you know, the, the, the breakfast, I try to get them away from the all American breakfast, which, you know, the cereals and the pancakes and the waffles, which pop tarts, yeah. <laughs> which, you know, they live on. And I yeah. say, look, you know, breakfast does not have to be like this. You can, you can uh, make a smoothie. You know, we're big on smoothies uh, using the heavy cream yep. and uh, the fruit and, and the protein mix, quick and easy, satiating. You know, that's another thing I stress is, you know, we're not going to go hungry doing this stuff. Right. Uh, which which is key. Um, you know, you can, in, going back to breakfast, you can eat a leftover piece of chicken from the night before. You can warm up some bacon in the microwave. Uh, you know, there's all kinds of ways around the starchy breakfast that yeah. we're eating. Yeah. Um, By the way, the name of that uh, school, I looked it up while you were talking, Browns Mill Elementary School in Lithonia, Georgia, for over a decade has been completely sugar-free. The kids actually ask for broccoli. <laughs> wow. Wow. That's amazing. Couldn't we no, replicate I, that all over America? Would, would you see very many patients anymore with obesity and chronic disease? I, I don't know if you would or not. <laughs> I don't think so. No. And if you want to know what it what it can do, if you look at my blog, I do have sample growth charts on there. Yep. Um, you know, and these are families that that have worked hard and were very willing to share their results. And so I did post a few of the growth charts there sure. uh, on the blog. And, um, you know, I've probably got a couple dozen of them that look like that. And the devil's in the details. I mean, yeah. we, we get into specific food items, what they should and shouldn't be eating. I'm a big fan of food diaries. Sometimes I'll have the whole family do a food diary so I know what's in the in the home. Uh, and when they come back for rechecks, we go through those and troubleshoot uh, what might be a problem. Um you know, as far as, as binge days and, 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 and things of that nature, I always let the parents know that that's certainly doable, although you have to be careful about, um, you know, sending yourself into a tailspin on that. And yeah. So birthday parties, um, you know, what do you do with a child in the school when they're bringing birthday treats in? You know, that's certainly an issue with kids. Uh, my take at least with my own kids, is that I'm going to let them participate in that. I don't want them to necessarily miss out on that. And then I try to uh, to limit the, the, the non-nutritious food outside of that situation. Uh, we talk about TV commercials. You know, there's evidence that food commercials will lead to kids eating more than they would otherwise. So turning off the commercials or, or skipping through them. As far as uh, shopping, we talk about shopping the outside part of the store. Yep. You'll like this. I had a 15-year-old teenager come in two weeks ago for his checkup. And I can often look at a, a growth chart and tell who's been working at it. And this kid up until about two or three years ago, was hovering around the 90th to 95th percentile for his BMI. Wow. And then all of a sudden, he dropped down to the 50th or 60th percentile. And I'm looking at this growth chart, and I'm looking back to see if this is a kid I did a consult on, and I hadn't. So whenever I see this, I ask him, what are you doing? How did this happen? <laughs> and he says, well, Dr. Hoop, you told me to shop the outside part of the store, and you gave me that sheet of paper. And, and that was a three-minute conversation. Wow. And, and that, 
this kid was able to do. That's powerful. It's uplifting to me. It really is. It's encouraging to me. And it's fun for me. When I look at my schedule and I see five or six nutrition consults are coming up in the next month, that's exciting. You know, I, I, I grab my stack of cookbooks, <laughs> uh, bring them into the room. You know, I think the biggest thing that people are afraid of is what am I going to eat? Yeah. And I'll sit, I'll sit there and we'll flip through the, the cookbooks and I'll say, look at this. Which cookbooks do you use, by the way? Oh, I have my favorites. Um, I'm, not, well, I'm a big fan of Dana Carpenter. Oh, yeah. Who I, I met on the cruise. So I have a couple of hers, the, you know, the 500 paleo recipes, the, the 1001 low carb recipes. Yep. Uh, big fan of the Primal, Primal Blueprint, Quick yep. and Easy Meals and, and Cookbook. Mark Sisson, yep. Mark Sisson, yep. Um, I have a lot of paleo cookbooks, Make It Paleo by oh, yeah. Bill Haley Mason, Paleo yep. Comfort Foods, uh, Julie Charles Mayfield, uh, Well-Fed Paleo Recipes for People Who Love to Eat. Most of Juwan, yep. Uh, They've all paleo, been on this show. <laughs> you know, I figured they have. I'm fans of them all. Um, the Paleo Diet Cookbook by the great Dr. Cordain. Yep. Uh, but then, you know, you're starting to see some kid-friendly cookbooks coming out, too. Yeah, Sarah Fragoso has a few. Yep, she's got the Paleo Pals, uh, which I noticed had just come out, and I've just started recommending that to patients. Uh, yep, Jimmy and the Carrot uh, Rocket Ships are a really good one. I love it. Uh, Eat Like a Dinosaur, I, I do enjoy that book, The Paleo Parents. Uh, and then Kate Evans Scott's The Paleo Kid and The Paleo Kid Snacks, which... I believe our Kindle only at this point, my hope mm -hmm. is they start printing that one. You know, the parents, they want, you know, it, it's a day and an age where kids are, are busy. You know, it, it's an early day getting up, heading off to school. And then there are activities after school. So they, they do want quick snacks. Yep. So I talk about using hard-boiled eggs um, and packing, packing things ahead of time. Deli meat, such as ham or salami, rolling it up in cheese, cutting Love it, it into potatoes. Uh, ants oh. on a log. Yep. Cheese and butter. Um, cheese and butter rocks, man. I love that. That's right. And that's another thing I tell tell parents. There are two things that make food taste good, right? There's, and I know you know this and all your listeners know this. There's uh, the, the, the sweet taste, which unfortunately is most of what we're trying to get rid of. Yep. And normal dietary fat tastes good. And yeah. so adding, adding butter to, to, to food or putting it on top of vegetables uh, is a great way to go. I put it um, on everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah, me too. Yep. Um, so can I, can, can I make you mad with something that I just saw just today as of the recording of this? Um, I saw on Twitter somebody had posted this letter that had been sent home with his daughter. And it was the it's the end of the school year, so they always have these big celebrations at the end of the year. And so it said, Dear parents, we are so excited that our end of the year celebration will be blankety blank. Please send one dollar with your child per slice of pizza that they're going to eat. And if you would please send uh, the following highlighted items. Now on the items listed, potato chips, Doritos, Cheetos, pretzels. Bagels, cream cheese, juice, brownies, donuts, and baby wipes. Oh, oh and uh, juice boxes. So, of that whole list, the only thing that's kind of low carbish is the cream cheese. So, cream cheese. Yeah, that's what I was thinking too. Yeah, that whole list to me is is, is insane. 
I mean, just in terms of the the the, the det- detriment to the health uh, of these kids. So the dad um, the dad know, wrote on here. The dad wrote a note on the and wrote back and did not send these things. And he said, "This is why more than half of America is obese. It starts in childhood." That's right. And to give you some numbers, um, you know, pick a website. The World Health Organization, 40 million children under the age of five were overweight, according to a 2011 analysis. If you look at the International Association for Study on Obesity, 200 million uh, school-age children worldwide are, are, are overweight, and they define that by a BMI over 25. 40 to 50 million are actually obese, and they define that as a BMI over 30. Yep. Uh, if you look at the CDC website, they, they use percentages. And these are kids that are over the 95th percentile based on the 2000 CDC growth charts. Um, if you look at kids between the age of two to five, back in the late 70s, 5% uh, based on the survey done in 07 and 08, uh, 10, 10%, so that number doubled. But then if you get up to kids between... Uh, six and 19 years of age, your percentages have tripled. So you have five or 6% of them being above the BMI 95th percentile back in the late 70s. And that number is up to around 18 or 19% now. Uh, and it's not going to stop anytime soon, unfortunately. And, and you want to, uh, let me just talk quickly about what's associated with obesity in children. Sure. Uh, uh, you, these kids are at a higher risk of breathing. Uh, difficulties, things such as sleep apnea. I'm starting to diagnose more sleep apnea than I have ever had before. Um, Risk of uh, bone fractures, hypertension. I'm seeing more teenagers with high blood pressure. Uh, We talked about the early markers of cardiovascular disease and then the psychological effects as well. You know, these kids uh, certainly they don't they don't have the energy to to, to participate uh, in activities like they would otherwise. And and there's a a stigma to to being overweight. And so I, I worry about that as well. Yeah. Well, we're coming to the end of the podcast. I wanted to make sure we gave them your website again. It's lowcarbpediatrician.com. And on there, there's all kinds of information uh, that you can learn more about. Uh, a lot of what Brad's been talking about today, uh, book recommendations, how to get started, food choices. I really love your a picture is worth a thousand words uh, uh, part. That's really cool. You got to check that out. But before I let you go, I wanted to talk about uh, your future plans that you had sent to me, you said you really want to start a parental support group, and you are also looking for someone who could be a compatible low-carb dietitian, uh, I assume, in your office there in Lansing, Michigan, to help with these nutrition consults. Can you tell us a little more about both of these, uh, I guess, hopes and dreams for the future? Uh, yes. You know, for, I, uh, for me, this is, I think, the logical next step Um I do have a couple of nurse practitioners who are helping me uh, teach the low-carb diet. Um, however, you know, it is somewhat overwhelming with the number of kids coming in. Um, and, and frankly, there's a shortage of, of primary care physicians and pediatricians. And so yeah. uh, it's, it's not easy to find a, a low-carb dietitian, number oh, they're one. They're out there. They're out there. <laughs> For, well, if they are, call me. Well, that's um, why you're on the show. That's why I want to get it out there because I, I, I personally know about 50. Yep. I would be thrilled if they contacted me and we 
set something up. And the, the I think the parental support group is going to be key as well. Yep. I, I try to pass on as many ideas and tips and tricks as I can, but I know there are there are parents out there who've come up with more. And if we can get those people together just for the emotional support alone and then also the logistics of keeping a child on a on a low carb diet because of all the challenges we've already talked about yeah have you considered making a facebook page for that support group uh i hadn't until now but (laughs) (laughs) that's a good idea brad (laughs) (laughs) i appreciate it jimmy i think i'll I'll look into that for sure Low, Um, low carb pediatrician facebook page and let it be a resource for parents to come to to get support for getting their kids on at least eating lower carb, or I guess the appropriate thing would be appropriate carb for their metabolic uh, needs. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, our, our work's cut out for us, but the answers are there. And it's a matter of getting that information out and out to kids. And so uh, I applaud everything that you do. And certainly the people that you have on your show are doing a wonderful job. Thank you. And yourself included, you're now part of that uh, uh, alumni of Living La Vida Low Carb Show guest. So thanks so much for being here. Dr. Brad Hoopingarner is his name. Again, his website, lowcarbpediatrician.com. That's L-O-W-C-A-R-B-P-E-D-I-A-T-R-I-C-I-A-N.com. Coming up next time on the Living La Vida Low Carb Show, we'll welcome back Dr. Johnny Bowden celebrating the 10th anniversary of his book, 150 Healthiest Foods on Earth. Get show notes for today's episode at theliveinlowcarbshow.com. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review at iTunes. Thanks for listening to the Living La Vida Low Carb Show. We'll see you next time. Disc of Light.